And I'm so glad you're here, honestly. Um, if you're new, we're really glad you're here. It's a great season to jump into the church and uh, lots of new people with you. So uh, just, just thanks for coming. It's really hard, man. It's really awkward to go to church. And, and uh, we just had a coffee with the pastor. We had tons of people in there. So I'm so thankful if you joined us. If not, make the next one and I can get to know you a little bit better as well. Uh, man, we're excited for Amplify Christmas. So on your way out today, they're going to give you a magnet, and that magnet goes on your refrigerator. Yes. Yes. Because here's what happens. Nobody told me when things were. Look at your refrigerator. Okay? All right. So that will help you uh, kind of know a couple of the main dates that are coming up. One of the things we're doing differently a little bit is um, candlelight service is going to be on the 19th. That's a Sunday. Um, at 9, at 11, and at 5. We're asking you to sign up. You can sign up online, and, and it just helps us kind of know who's coming to what. If you're going to bring somebody with you, sign them up as well. And uh, that will give us an opportunity to make sure we can spread out and, and get everybody here. This is going to be kind of what we would normally do at our Christmas Eve. We're doing on that Sunday um, because Christmas gets back to Saturday, and then uh, we're still going to have church on the next Sunday, so the, the next day. So we were like, what do we do with Christmas Eve? And we we're like, let's do it on Sunday. Let's try Sunday see what happens. So it's not Christmas Eve. It's, um, it's man, I always call it the wrong thing. Candlelight service. Okay. I always call it carol lights and candles. All right, so, so that's not what it is. So it's going to be a really good. It's going to be really good, and, you, and you're going to want to invite somebody. So that if you think, when should I invite somebody? That day would be... Uh, the day to bring them, and it will just be, it, it will be really good. So we're excited to uh, maybe introduce people to Jesus for the first time, or maybe um, be able to reintroduce them to Jesus in a church that loves him. So invite, invite, invite. Hey, I want to also thank you um, that if you support the ministry, I'm just so thankful for that financially. I really appreciate that, that, that we have Giving Tuesday, and people really push for that, and I have, we haven't had to do that so I just want to say uh, thank you for doing that. We did, we did actually, just to keep you up to date, we did fall woefully short in the um, last month, which is very uncharacteristic. And so uh, we're looking forward to end of the year gifts and, and that kind of thing to catch us back up as you've always been super faithful to the Lord. And as we multiply the ministries and what he's doing here, we're just, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for giving. If you're considering jumping in and, and the Lord leads, then we would be grateful if you partnered uh, with us. There's been so much life change. It's just, just been record numbers for us. We're so thankful what the Lord's doing, that he's uh, saving people and people are getting baptized and, and, and they're having their lives literally transformed. People are joining the church to say, I want to link arms with you and move forward and, and be part of what God is doing to serve um, the community. Like you guys are doing the, uh, the, the uh, gifts for the kids from the school, the giving tree. And so several churches had to back out. So we just said, okay, well, the Lord's blessed in this season, so we'll just take all the kids, you know. And so you guys have just, I mean, come strong. And so those kids who would be without, um, we literally know them. We literally serve them um, through backpack buddies and that kind of stuff, uh, making sure they're not food insecure. We'll have a Christmas because you have been faithful. I just want to say uh, thank you. So this weekend was really cool because uh, Friday night, the AMP kids... Did you come to that? They bring your kids. It was phenomenal. It's our way to kind of theme, um, in a kid's way, uh, uh, themes of Christmas and, and, um, and Jesus and kind of just have a great time singing and enjoying. It was just phenomenal. I saw people dressed in characters that I could have never imagined. It was wild. And uh, I just, I didn't get to go to the whole thing because I had a wedding rehearsal, so I just came the last minute. And so people were trying to talk to me who were dressed up like a donkey, Shrek. There was a, um, 
What a gingerbread man, yeah. I keep calling it a cookie monster. Okay, so it's a, it was a gingerbread man, and, uh, and so it was really good. Actually, RJ, stand up, RJ. Yeah, did anybody see the donkey? Look at that. Sound just like Eddie Murphy from Shrek, the donkey. It was unbelievable, terrifying. Anyway, so... So it, it, was, it was really good. And then Saturday, the uh, Friday night, the, the youth had a, a lock-in, and it was just all these kids. It was so great. And I came in after, like the morning, the morning after that they all stayed up to eat breakfast, you know, because I'm smart. Like, I'm, and I'm 42, so I know not to stay up all night. And, and uh, man, it was, it was some amazing food. Uh, it, it was just, it was so good. And I was, like, chipper in the morning, and I realized I was getting on everybody's nerves, you know, like, go away, we've been up all night. But there's just phenomenal ways for your... Uh, kids and, and uh, families to connect. I, w- I want to tell you one more thing before we jump into the word. Um, so last night we had a wedding um, at Carelock Farms. Anybody ever been out there? And that's out, it's back on Kennebec Road, and and uh, it's just this beautiful setting. And this couple got married at our church uh, from our church. There's this younger couple, and um, it was it was just fantastic. It was just just a beautiful night, and. All the things that happened were just God honoring, and then I realized and looked around that um, they were surrounded by people from the church, and I love that. What I would encourage you to do is get into a community group or an affinity group or starting those or a Bible study or a way to serve. Um, community groups allow you to get together with a group of people that are kind of in your same stage or, or maybe not and just a night that can work for you or a time and you just you connect with them. And maybe you, maybe you get into an affinity group or starting some of those. Like you like to do something, well, then do that with people of a like-minded. Uh, you like to golf, you know, we're going to start one of those. Like there's an over 100 golf group and an under 100 I will be leading the over 100. Anybody else there with me? No, you're not going to admit it. Okay. Anyway, so, oh, y'all, yeah, good. Honest people in the back here. Uh, hackers. We're hackers. Anyway, so, um, but we're going to, skeet shooting. Might put a group of people who like to skeet shoot. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yes. Great. The donkey loves skeet shooting. All right, so. So, so it just, but, but then there's Bible studies, ways for you to grow in your faith and learn. And, and then there's ways to serve. So here I am at this wedding and it's this just beautiful setup, this beautiful couple. And, um, and there, I look around and I realize that their whole community group is here. Like, like there's, they're everywhere. They're like a bunch of couples. And so, you know, you think, well, this young couple, a bunch of young couples that took off on a Saturday night. No, it's like, so they did this, they did this moment where after the ceremony, they, um, they opened the dance floor. Now, I made my way to the dance floor. I'm going to be honest with you. I got some moves, I'll just tell you. Anyway, so actually Chad, Chad Bevins was there too. Chad, stand up. Now, Chad has some moves. If you want to see moves, now that man can dance. Anyway, so uh, it's like, Anyway, so 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 here we are. We're, on the, we're getting on this dance floor, and uh, and I'm with my wife, and we're, we're getting ready to dance, and we can't do any worse than Chad. And so here we are, and my my wife is getting more and more beautiful as we get older, like she is. It's like she's aging. It's like fine wine, and I'm doing like sour milk kind of deal. Anyway, so 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 I'm standing beside her, like man, people wouldn't even put us together anymore. Like man, you look great. And so then we go to dance. And she pulled my lower back in, and she grabbed my hand, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> Golly. Anyway, so, but I got five kids at home, so you just go to bed and wake up the next day. Anyway, so, so here we are, we're dancing, and, um, and, 
and all these couples are on the floor, and they say, so they do this thing where uh, the couple that just got married, they've been married for like three years or three hours, like uh, you, you guys can stay out, but everybody else get eliminated by how old, I mean, how long you've been married. So like five years, okay, you're out. But what I noticed was all the couples that were, that were, that were at this wedding after one or two eliminated, and then like five, and then 10, and then 15, and 20, and, and several of the couples, like I was in that 20 to 25 range, right? We have to leave the floor because we've only been married 20, 20 years, 20 years. So then, so 20 years. And so then, so then, so then here we are. And so, so there was one couple that, that almost made it to the 40 year mark that they've been married 39 years. And I thought to myself, if I was going to take a young couple who's going to get married in a, in an environment that um, typically um, chews up young couples and spits them out in today's day and age, I would put them around these people. And I just want to encourage you to get around people who will encourage and strengthen and help your faith as you walk this journey. That's our, that's our, that's our hope for you. And uh, it, was, it was a beautiful thing. Hey, let me pray for us real quick, and then, uh, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, we love you today. May you be honored by the words. May you be honored by your... Um, by what we give as a sacrifice to you, Lord, may you have our attention and may you speak to us as you always have through your word. So we're very open to your Holy Spirit today. So it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, let me, let me ask you this question. Would, would this describe you? This is, this is Philippians chapter 4, and this is what he says. He says, And the peace which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Would that describe you? Like, you're in Christ Jesus. Okay, so does, it, so does a peace that, that just doesn't really make sense with the surroundings you experience live inside of you? If somebody looked at you and said, here's what I know to be the circumstances, but here is what your inner world seems like. Here is what your heart screams. Here is what, uh, uh, what is, uh, is surrounding you. You just exude peace. It doesn't make any sense. Would that be the description of your life? So to 2020 and 2021, in my opinion, have been anything but peace. You feel like that? Seem like it's the season of strife and struggle and uh, lies and inflicted pain. And, and we don't really measure by peace anymore. We really measure uh, by conflict or the lack thereof. Kind of like, well, this wasn't as much conflict, so that was a good year, right? That's not the same thing as peace. And so we've lost loved ones. We've experienced fractured relationships. Like you, you stay um, away from people long enough. And then, and then also um, when you get back together, you realize you don't agree on the way forward. And we've all just experienced this tension of what has happened. Anybody feel like that? And, and sometimes you got to wear mask places. Other times you don't. And, and I got, I got, I mean, we got, I mean, we think about this. This will summarize where we are. We have a lost and found with used masks. That, I mean, I'm serious. That is, that should, that describes no year like I've ever experienced. I mean, one of them has like a hanger where you can hang it around your neck. Like, wow, that's a serious permanent mask. We've stayed home more. We're worried more. We watch the news too much. We, we've been polarized in our country to, to demonize everybody else. We've, we, um, we've had a pandemic, right? We've had this, uh, this, this disease like uh, unleashed on the world in both a very real way, which has been extremely painful, and a very politicized way all at the same time. 
and trying to figure out that dynamic has, has been polarizing. I was at a church once, Crystal and I went to, and you have a meet and greet before you, you pastor the people, and it's too late to back up, but you still you have it anyway. So one of the ladies, she said, uh, she welcomed herself, uh, she greeted me, and then she said, uh, my name is, well, I'm the church warrior. Man, I still don't know that lady's name, but she worried me to death. She could watch something on Saturday night, and by Sunday morning, I was worried about it, right? Like, she just, she just drove me insane. Uh, thanks for watching if you are. Anyway, so, 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 so let, me give you some, let me give you some free advice. Stop looking to politics and, and worldly power and worldly structures to find peace. And start looking to the origin of where it all began. So you're going to have to turn off your TV probably. And get into your Bible. You're going to have to turn off social media some and get into your Bible. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to turn off the game, the second or third game you were going to watch, and get into the Word. You're going to have to cut off Netflix and all the other things that just, you know, you just kind of like, like binge watch and, and get into the Bible. Now listen, you're going to have to stop the internet searches um, for, for the next gun or the next fishing rod or golf club or, or next hot rod and get into your Bible. None of those things being bad, all of them being good things in moderation, but you're going to have to draw back and say, God, I need to hear you in this season, and I need to hear you desperately. No other, Bible, uh, no other book speaks as much about peace as the Bible. It's mentioned 420 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And if you said, Pastor, what's your hope for us? My hope for you would be that you would be described as someone who has a peace that passes understanding. I don't know what it is about them, but they have peace that I don't really get. Because if your public life exudes peace, it's what people see. It's because your inner, your private life, the one that only Christ sees, is so well ordered by the Holy Spirit that that peace that we describe comes out. So Pastor Justin last week talked, our, talked and started our series um, on All I Want for Christmas and I thought it was interesting, as I was listening to him talk, I thought, well, you know, it's, it's kind of bizarre because Crystal always asks me what I want for Christmas, and she said, well, people want to know what you want for Christmas. And I'm difficult to buy for. I'm difficult to buy for. I'm, I, um, I don't want clothes, you know. Anybody ever notice that I'm not wearing flannels anymore? <laughs> Here's what happened. People want to know what happened. Here's what happened. I didn't, I don't, I don't like to wear multiple amounts of clothes. I just like to stay the same. I'm like Chad's dance move, right? One move, stay the same. So, so get it right the first time, stick with it. All right, so, so I just stay with it. Then Crystal bought me clothes, so I wore those clothes. Then my friend came and spoke and made fun of my clothes. I'm going to wear what I want to wear now. I've gone back. So here I am, I, Crystal said, what do you want? I don't know, and I just kind of struggle to give gift ideas, and so I finally come up with an idea, but nobody, no, like, she's pretty open about what she wants, and she, she, she can tell you, and she, she's just kind of an open book, and so, um, but I thought, well, well, she asked me what I want, so, well, what do you want? What do, I mean, I know what she wants, but maybe people will want to know what you want, what should I tell them? So she gives me, a, this is a true story, she gives me a list, and it only has three things on it, which is doable, like. I mean, because we got Christmas coming up, and tomorrow is her birthday, you know? It's great. She's turning 54, and so it's, uh, it's, um, it's going to be a great night. No, just kidding. It's going to be a great day, and uh, we're excited about celebrating. But if you know if you have a birthday and, and Christmas at the same, the same month, you kind of get the shaft a little bit, right? Like, um, like my mom's birthday is the 24th of December, 
and she is, and she's a twin. Somebody is sensitive about her birthday. Anyway, so so I said, Crystal, what do you want for what do you want? What what's what she want? She gives me three things. I thought when I looked at them, I thought, oh, so I got a calculator out. Man, they totaled fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> like like conservatively, fourteen to seventeen. Anybody got a wife like that? Oh, <laughs> he said, oh, no, not me. <laughs> so what I think has happened is that there's another thing she really wants, and it probably is more than we would spend, but it's not going to seem as bad as 14000 So I'm waiting for that fourth thing, you know, anyway. So, so, so what do you want? If you said to me, Philip, um, what do you wish as our pastor? I would say to you... Um, I would say that the peace of God rests in your heart and is on display for the world to see. There's a major theme to the Bible, and literally um, all across the Gospels, the the theme and and literally the words peace, or my peace given, my peace left, are 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 420 times through. In fact, Jesus' birth, uh, crucifixion, and resurrection all actually contain um, a description of peace or the word peace. In those moments, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, if, if I live through the moments that Christ lived through, the situations he lived through, like, like a birth that is controversial, a virgin birth, like what are we even talking about? And it's a miracle and an angel involved and like, and there's shame and it's stressful and it's like, you know, I wouldn't describe it as peace. I wouldn't describe myself as at peace or, or the death on a cross, this, this brutal torture device. I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably describe it. Um, this unspeakable experience as, as one that I had still had peace through, or, or the resurrection. A dead man comes to life is both joy-filled, chaotic. The, 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 um, the disciples are like, like just unnerved, trying to figure out what's supposed to happen. How do we process this? And yet the Bible describes, again, peace. Luke chapter 2, verse um, 8 says this, and we'll read this together. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And it says they were terrified. You remember a couple weeks ago we talked about angels, right? And when the, when the angel appears, when the Lord appears, it is not like, um, it's not like the Cupid uh, baby in a diaper. This was a terrifying experience. And it says the, the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why? Because they were afraid, right? So I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And a great, a great company, it says, a suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, and here's what I want you to, to focus on, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. To those whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. So the angels tell, tell the shepherds, they say, Glory to God, peace on earth. Now, you know that um, many skeptics get frustrated. With this, God promises peace. God promises this, this world peace. The world, honestly, does the world you live in seem like it's at peace? 
I was in a, I was in a forum, a group chat, uh, and there were some people who didn't believe. There were some atheists. There were some uh, those who have been hurt by the by church. There were those who um, are are um, part of the church now, and those who love the church. And 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 this whole interaction came up, and this actual scripture was part of the discussion. And the and the conversation was uh, the world I live in don't look like peace. Why would I follow a Jesus who can't deliver on his promise to bring world peace? Well, the angels proclaim peace on earth to whom God's favor rests, right? It's why we pray, Lord, may your favor be upon us as those that you describe in the Bible. Not perfect people, but people who are, who are pursuing um, your way and your will and the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. It's why we ask for an enlargement of our territory because as far as we can push the light to the darkness, we will. It's why we say, invite somebody to come with you. Invite somebody to hear about the light of the world on a Sunday that we'll dedicate to, to specifically sharing the gospel in a way that they may not usually be receptive to. But his peace on earth rests on those whose God's favor is upon. It should describe your life as somebody who has peace that passes understanding if you call yourself and find Christ in your heart. If you pick up um, a history book, any, any country, any region, any continent, any time, the description of that is not peaceful. It's not, it's not what we gravitate to. And when I think of today, I think I hear um, all about anxiety and division. And, and I listen to pastors beg people, please come to church. Go, go to church. Because what, what we all know is the collective result of not going will be rough down the road. So I sit with, with circles of pastors. I'll, just, I'll pull back the curtain. Uh, I've I've been in recent groups. Some of the pastors are doing fantastic. Some of the pastors are doing horrible, just personally. Some of them are ready to quit. Some of them have already quit. Some of them are, 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 um, you know, burning out. Same same way with your circles, right, that you work with. Like, people just are frustrated. And, And then the conversation starts, and if I'm honest, this is what happens. Pastors are starting to wonder, what does America look like in 25 years as it wanders collectively from its faith? So Generation Alpha is coming up, so we always study different uh, generations and make sure how do we how do we reach them, what do they know, what do they understand. So Generation Alpha is nine, a nine-year-old to a 19-year-old right now, all right? So you might, you might be in that generation or it might be um, your you know, kids or grandkids or great-grandkids or uh, future kids or whatever. Like, um, so, so they've never been, like right now I have three that fit into this category, right? Three of my kids are, are Generation Alpha. And so um, they've never been without the Internet. Let that sink in. They don't know a world without the Internet or, or, or a computer on your cell phone. What? I mean, they, don't, they don't understand a world without Netflix and all, all the things that the, the streaming and all that stuff. They, they have parents who have doubled and tripled the giving ratios so that they give a ton of money to whatever the kids' interests are. Sports, toys, um, education. Uh, they, they, the, what you know is you have to go after what the parents will spend on the kid, not the parent. So they, they in, a, in a large way, have purchasing power that no other generation has ever had. And one of the things we know is that they will cement, if we continue on, they will cement our nation as a post-Christian nation. 
Like we're headed that way, but we're not there. Every generation is a little bit less Christian. Every generation is a little bit less church. Every generation is a little bit less uh, interactive with the gospel and not, maybe not even sure what it is. Statistically, they are not going to walk away from faith. Their family never practiced Christianity at all. Right now you have people who come just on Christmas and Easter and, and we try to reach them. They haven't ever gone on Christmas and Easter. Like they, they aren't even slightly churched. Now, to be honest with you, I don't see peace in our future if we become as a nation less Christian. I really don't. So one of the things this should do is not, not terrify you because we're talking about peace and you can't walk out of a, a sermon on peace terrified. So one of, the things, one of the things you have to think about is that this should literally drive you to your knees in prayer for your kids, your grandkids, your future kids, for that generation. I mean, I mean it should drive you to your knees. Another thing it should do is it should make you want to um, drive and bring them to the church every chance you get to train them up. Like a Friday night where we have like that kids ministry and we, we have ways in which they would learn. You get them here, why? Because one time changes their life? Probably not, but multiple times seals in them themes and ideas and people and groups and connections that change their life. So my job is um, not to let the church uh, raise my children to be spiritual in nature. Like I'm a pastor, but my first job is to my kids, Right? So if my family falls apart, I don't have a job. It disqualifies me in the Bible, right? Like if my kids are, are, are just complete train wrecks because I haven't raised them in ways that, that, are, that are godly in nature and, and help them. And, and believe me, I have the same fears you have. I get in there and they go, well, what about this? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a pastor and I don't even know, man, but we'll figure it out together. So I walk with them and I pray over them because the culture is going to push back on them. And they won't even know why they're pushing back because they won't even be aware of Christ. But our kids will be. As a church, uh, we give 10% of everything we, get, we bring into missions and outreach. Why? One, because it's biblical. We feel like, um, it, you know, you, you get into um, a fellowship with a body, you commit, you give, and we're very thankful for that. We're thankful that you're faithful in so many ways. Second reason we give, though, is because sooner than later, the missionaries... That we send, you know, a couple months ago we had missionaries in that are in the Philippines. The missionaries we send and train, like the missionaries we send that reach people for Christ and then train them up and build them up, will eventually be called, those saved Christians will be called to come back to America as missionaries. And they will be missionaries to your kids and your grandkids and future kids. Guarantee it. Isn't that wild? That we are literally not just only our mission field, we're going to become the world's mission field where the, the gospel is exploding around the world. I mean, in, at times it looks like bleak. You hear me say like, oh, we're becoming less Christian. Yet around the world, the Holy Spirit is exploding in places where people don't have the comfort and the lifestyles and really the availability of everything they want like we do. So people are desperate when they hear about Christ for something better than the misery they feel. And as they get saved and built up, they're going to start coming here as missionaries. And so we know that part of our support is God reach us too, even if it means going around the world and coming back. 
So the angels, here they are, and, and, uh, and they say, well, you know, we're not promoting world peace. We're not proclaiming world peace. That's a misconception. Actually, in their day, the Jews thought that Jesus was coming as a, a Messiah on a, on a stallion, on a horse. On a, he was going to be a warrior. He was going to come, and, and he was going to bring all that they needed. He was going to fix political, and, and he was going to relieve them from the persecution. The Romans had this heavy hand. And so they believed the Messiah would, would free them of that. And before the crowd that Jesus would um, eventually be crucified by said crucify him, yelled crucify him, they, they yelled Hosanna and they yelled, you know, king of kings. And, and, he, and here he is. He comes in instead of riding on a stallion, he rides in on a donkey. A donkey. If we're going to war and you show up on a donkey, it does not inspire us to follow you. And Jesus comes in and says, man, I'm not coming with a sword. I'm not coming to, de- to, to war. I'm not coming to defeat as you would think. I've come in peace. Why? Because I'm not bringing world peace. I'm bringing a source of peace for individuals to experience personal peace and personal transformation. If you, would, if you answered the question honestly, has Christ transformed your life? Like you've accepted Christ and he hasn't transformed your life, you've got to rethink what has happened? Do you actually have Christ in your life? I mean, he should transform you. Now, some of you are slower than others, right? Some of you are faster than others. I mean, RJ's a good example. He came here for years, and it took us forever for him to finally get baptized and saved and dressed like a donkey, right? <laughs> for the glory of Jesus. Whatever. It's taken me times too long, but the Lord has transformed and changed me and made me new and given me a peace when before it was just complete anxiety and fear. He's not promising world peace. He says, my entrance is that I'm bringing the source of peace and the source of salvation for you people who desperately die. Do you know that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good? I mean, he didn't get crucified so that bad people would be good. That's not, that is not why you would torture, you would allow torture to happen to you. He came, the Bible describes, so that dead people would live. And the Bible describes that you are dead in your sins, that we're all sinners, that literally we're all sinners, that you, you can't get away from it, you can't, you can't good your way to God, that you, you, you know, you could be a good person and still not be good enough, that you have sinned and you do sin. And the Bible says that, that he died for, for you, the good parts of you and the real bad parts of you. And that if you will surrender to him and believe and confess that you repent of that sin, that you can be saved. I, I say it all the time. We ought to be the church that makes repentance cool again. Like, what, why would it be shocking to repent? We're a church. And we, we're like following the Savior and he saved us. And, and it, we know we're not perfect. You're not perfect for sure. I'm not perfect. Right? If we were perfect, if we were a perfect accepting church, you would not be allowed in here. Neither would I. So he, he makes dead people alive and he frees us from the bondage of sin and he transforms us if you'll let him be Lord of your life. The Bible says you'll be a new creation in Christ. So when he sees you, instead of seeing what you are, he sees Christ. Sees, he sees the transformation of Christ in you. The first century knew this. There was a theologian, uh, there was a philosopher, 
And um, this is what he said. I'll show this to you. This is from the first century. He says, while the emperor, speaking of the Roman emperor, may give peace on war and at sea, he is unable to give peace from grief and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns for more than outward peace. The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save the life. Je- lost. Jesus is on the way to be tortured in John chapter 14, verse 27. And, and this is what he says. It's just the peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Do not, I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. I mean, that, that, you've got to hear that in this season. This wonky, weird season we're in. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. At, at the beginning of Luke, um, the Christ child is described. The writer of the Old Testament, the book Isaiah, would describe Jesus' interest like this in Isaiah uh, 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given, he says. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and what? Prince of peace. If I was describing for you what I would want for you would be that you understood and had a relationship with, with that description, the Prince of Peace. Do you know the story of Horatio and Anne Spafford? So it was a wealthy family. Um, Horatio Gates Spafford was born in New York on October 20th of 1828. Um, it was in Chicago. He was very wealthy. He was known for his Christian testimony and character. And he and his wife were, uh, were active in their church. They raised their kids to love the Lord. They had four little, uh, five kids, a boy and four little girls. And, um, and, and they were known to uh, rub shoulders with Dwight L. Moody. He was a famous evangelist, and the Lord, Lord's hand was clearly on him. They were of considerable wealth because he was a lawyer and because he had property. And he would manage his money well, and he managed his, his finances. He took considerable risk, and he was very well-to-do. And um, not unlike Job... In the Old Testament of the Bible, a tragedy came and, um, and kind of leveled this happy home. His four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., um, at four died of uh, scarlet fever suddenly. So a year later in 1871, in October, a massive fire swept through downtown Chicago, devastating the whole city. It eliminated most of his properties. He was pretty much not uh, a wealthy man at that point. And stuff he owned had been devastated, that 300 people lost their lives and hundreds of thousands of homes were gone. People were homeless. Um, and despite his massive loss, he took all that he had at that point and gave it to people who needed his help. Like ran in while he was still devastated and sought help for them by assisting uh, grief-stricken and needy people. So two years goes by and, and um, they're at least financially stable enough so they still have something to take a vacation. And so the family decides, um, it's just time to go on a holiday. We're going to go hear D.L. Moody preach, you know, this evangelist. And so uh, the family gets on a boat, and right before they leave, uh, Horatio, the father, steps back and says, I got some business with the law officers. I got some business with the homes. I'm going to stay back. You guys are ahead, and I'll catch up with you. So um, his four daughters and his wife take off on on November 22nd of 1873, while crossing the Atlantic, the vessel they were on was, um, was hit and, um, and sank by way of an iron sailing ship. 226 people lost their lives. All four of Horatio Spadford's daughters perished. And remarkably, his wife, Anne, still lived. So she 
uh, survived the tragedy. They actually rescued her almost like a movie. She was floating out in the ocean on a, like a plank of wood. She was unconscious, and she was found in South Wales. And upon um, arrival, they kind of fixed her, got her back to health, and she sent a telegram to her husband, and it said these two words, saved alone. So he receives this message and he sets off to go comfort his wife um, and reunite with her who now they've lost their son, you know, a year ago. Now they've lost, or a couple years ago, now they've lost all their daughters. And he, he's on this voyage and the captain calls him, he summons him to the bridge of the vessel. And he says, here's where we are, here's where we're going, um, here's where the, the map, here's the chart we're on. And we're passing this spot and this is the exact spot where their ship went down. This is where your daughter's died. So he reunites with his wife and he returns to his cabin and they pray together. And then he writes the words to the hymn, it is well with my soul. And um, the first line and several lines to follow tell you of a man and woman who beyond their circumstances have peace. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, sorrows, you lost all of your fortune. You lost your son. You sent your family ahead. Imagine the guilt of a father who sends their family ahead, not knowing what will happen, and loses all of his daughters. Is, is on a ship and is over the spot where your daughter's have lost their lives, you're sitting with your wife, your relationship is now strained. Why? Because you're going to have to deal with how to figure out how to move forward. So even the comfort of a relationship like that doesn't give you the comfort that it used to. You, you would likely feel all alone. And he says, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, well, I mean, imagine, I don't know what else would be worse than that. He says, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He says, though Satan should buffet and trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate, fire, death. Though I'm helpless in this way, as he shed his own blood for my soul, he says, it is well. He goes on to say, not just tragedy from outside, but the tragedy that I bring on myself. My sin, oh, the bliss. Of this glorious thought. He says, my sin, not in part, but all of it, the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. And then he says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Now, let me ask you this. Despite the circumstances around your life, would your life be described as a peace that passes understanding? Could you stand in front of us, answer before the Lord, more importantly, it is well with my soul. That Christ has been invited, that Christ has given me the ability to be transformed, and that I have walked through that journey of saying, it is well. Not so be it. Not, oh, well, it happened, what am I going to do about it? Not getting so bitter about life that you, no, it is well. And I'll tell you this, you've got to find peace in a couple of ways. You've got to make peace with God. <laughs> you, you, you just have to. It won't, you won't find peace until you surrender your life to God's will. And you might say today, 
man, I'm not a transformed person. I prayed with several after the first service, broken, so honest to say, I'm just not where I need to be. I mean, Christ is my Savior, but we just aren't good right now. Like, help. Well, the Lord hears a prayer like that. He does. And he runs in like he has for me so many times, and, and he accepts that while I'm a sinner, I don't want to stay in my sin, and so I believe Christ, and I've surrendered my life and confessed my sins. And you might say today, well, I haven't done that, or I, or, or, or I want to do that. And so you find me after, I'll pray with you. I'll pray with you, and we'll, we'll talk about next steps. And, and I would just say to you, not only do you have to get right with God, and I hope you will, but you have to get right with others. You do. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, the Bible says that you shouldn't take communion and still have hate towards your brother. Like, the Bible says that the person on the other aisle that you, you know, like, well, I'm talking about the political aisle, but you could do the other aisle too. Like, if you don't, you don't like something, you just can't have bitterness in your heart towards someone. So, you know, whether they did it to you or you did it to them or, or you did it and you don't know about it or they don't know that, but it's, but you got to get right. You got to get right with others. And the world's rough and life is tough, but God is always good. But you got to find peace with others, and then you got to find peace with yourself. I don't know if you're like me, but you will beat yourself up on your past. And Christ isn't looking at your past if you surrendered to him. He's looking at who you are, and are you covered by him, and are you on, your, on the path toward being more like him? And are, are, you, are you in Christ, as that, as that verse describes? Right? I mean... Lord, help us. Describe us as people who have peace that passes understanding. Jesus came as the source, and so we look to him. Crystal's going to come, and, uh, and the band's going to come, and they're going to close a song. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these few moments and just reflect on, on this question. Would it be described of me as a peace that passes understanding? And if it is, fantastic. We're praising the Lord. And if it's not, this is not a time to beat yourself up, but a time to say, Lord, here I am. And, and here's my prayer. It, it might be save me or forgive me. It, it might be make me right with others. God, give me, give me a next step or God, help me to forgive myself. I don't know what it is, but my prayer for you is that you would experience that peace. Lord, I love you today. I'm praying as your Holy Spirit moves in our service today that you would um, speak to our hearts. For just a moment, before we go do all the things of the day, before we uh, get into the week, Lord, I pray that you would um, just give us a moment to reflect and to relax within your spirit and say, God, search my heart. And if it isn't well, would you make it well? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.